The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with stocks coming off their worst week since March, with Wall Street uh, staring up at a new wall of worry. Futures, however, they are higher in the pre-market. Also higher, we're talking about oil prices. There are reports pinned at the pump. is causing some alarm in the White House. We discussed that coming up in the show. And then in China, Beijing is telling its local economists not to talk about deflation or other negative economic trends. What it means for investors and businesses heavily exposed to the world's second largest economy. Plus, higher interest rates and some surging stocks helping Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway in a very big way. And then later in the show, a live stream update on a possible Musk and Elon Musk, uh, Zuckerberg, excuse me, cage match. It is Monday, August the 7th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start this day. We're going to kick it off with a check of U.S. stock futures. Taking a look at right now, green across the board, the Nasdaq doing the best, up about a third of a percent. At this hour, it looks like the Dow would open up about 70 points higher. This after a very poor showing for the markets last week, with the S&P and the Nasdaq coming off of four straight days of losses and their worst week since March 10th. You see the declines here. The Nasdaq down by 3%. The S&P almost by 2.5%. It was pretty rough for the tech sector as well. The sector coming off three straight days of losses and its worst week of the year. You see the sharp decline right here, down 1.5%, or excuse me, 4.25% for the week. Something we watched, the Fitch downgrade obviously playing a factor there. It was also partly dragged down by Apple, which had its worst week since 2023. We're also checking the bond market. I have a very busy week for fixed income and more than $100 billion in new long-term issuance this week alone. Taking a look at yields, as always, we start with the benchmark 10-year at 4.09. Those yields back above 4% since that Fitch downgrade. We've seen some downside movement when it comes to the lower end of the curve. The 30-year, for example, down about five basis points or so. All right. We're also looking at energy. WTI right now, hovering near a four-month high. Right now, WTI at about 82 and a quarter. However, down in the pre-market right now, down about three-quarters of a percent, a very similar story for Brent crude at 85 and almost three-quarters, uh, down more than a half a percent. Natural gas catching a bid right now, up almost one and a half percent. Now let's get a check on this morning's top corporate stories. We have our Silvana Hanau here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good Monday morning to you. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway reporting a more than 6.5% increase in operating earnings during the second quarter, with cash holdings jumping to nearly $150 billion due to underwriting and investment income. The company also reporting a near $26 billion gain from its investments in stocks like Apple, with Berkshire's bet on the company skyrocketing to nearly $180 billion. 
U.S. trucking giant Yellow officially filing for bankruptcy over the weekend, listing assets and liabilities of $1 billion to $10 billion with more than 100,000 creditors. The move marks the end of a nearly 100-year-old company saddled with a massive debt load following failed contract negotiations with union workers. And Federal Reserve Governor Michelle Bowman making the case for more rate hikes. Speaking over the weekend, Bowman said she supported the bank's most recent quarter point hike and expects that additional increases will be needed. Bowman adding monetary policy is not on a preset course and that data will drive future decisions, Frank. Thank you very much. We'll be talking much more about Michelle Bowman saying that we may need more rate hikes. Appreciate it. We'll see you later on the show. All right, markets are gearing up for the start of a new week with 87% of S&P 500 earnings out as investors turn their attention to fresh inflation data on Thursday. CPI, just one of the things expected to be top of mind as Wall Street faces a new wall of worry. That includes the ongoing impact from Fitch's downgrade of the U.S. credit rating, stretched stock valuations, outlook warnings from Apple and a number of chip companies, and deflationary risk in China. Let's talk much more about this with Steve Chiverone, Senior Portfolio Manager an equity strategist at Federated Hermes. Steve, good morning, and thank morning, you for being Frank. here in the house. How are you, sir? All right, so we're going to show it again. We just talked about okay. Wall Street's wall, uh, wall of worries, long list of them right now, including the Fitch downgrade. Which one of them do you expect to be uh, having the biggest impact on Wall Street today and this week? I think it is yields. Uh, I, I think it's Treasury yields, particularly that 10-year that you highlighted. I don't think it's primarily about Fitch, though. I, I think what you saw out of the Bank of Japan and the loosening of their yield curve controls has been pushing rates up more than the downgrade really has. But when you think about that, that kind of four and a quarter level on the 10-year yield, that's been the peak. We haven't broken above that. Everybody's view in the bond market is that we would see yields lower this year, not higher. If we break above that 425, which we kind of got close last week, you know, I think that's something that could spook markets, give you a little bit of a sell-off. We'd be buyers of that weakness okay. stuff if it happens. So you're adding to our wall, our wall of worry right now. You're saying it's yields. I'm looking at the yeah. 10-year 4.09. We actually saw the long end of the curve uh, go down a bit after the Fitch downgrade. I know you say the Fitch downgrade is not that meaningful, yeah. but it did have some, some meaningful uh, impact on the bond market. So how does that shape your, your view of, just very quickly, a fixed income? Um, are you buyers of the 10-year now at this elevated yield? So, you know, we've been slightly long duration this year, not much, just about kind of 5% over the benchmark. Uh, we have not jumped in and added more at this point. I think we want to see where these yields settle in, given what's going on, uh, not only in Asia, but also with the inflation data that's coming in. We're seeing wheat prices move back up a little bit. We're seeing oil move back up again. Uh, I think we want to see a little bit of inflation data. Yeah, we have seen commodity prices tick up. At the same time, we've seen the dollar tick down. So yep. kind of an inverse reaction there. I also want to talk to you about the Fed. So mm-hmm. you sent us some notes. Um, according to the CME right now, there's an 80 percent chance of a pause of the September meeting just about a month and a half from now. And that's even with voting member Michelle Bowman saying she thinks that we need more hikes. How does that shape your view on the markets in the short term and then the long term? Look, we've had a kind of major pullback we did last year. We've come through that. That's typical of Fed rate hike cycles. You see that normally as you get into Fed pauses, though, these are really good for stocks historically. 13, 15 percent returns, 20 percent max rallies. I don't know that we're in that pause yet. Um, I think we could see at least one more rate hike either in September or November. But clearly, that's the direction of travel. And it's hard to get big pullbacks in the market when the Fed's on pause historically. Uh, I want to talk to you about or actually go back to our wall of worry. China's in that wall of worry right now. Morgan Stanley telling investors 
pull your money out in case lackluster stimulus measures trigger a retreat. How do you view Chinese equities right now? And what impact do you see a pullout of American investors in China having on the U.S. markets? Well, they're difficult. I mean, China's really difficult because not only do you have this, this, you can't really stimulate China unless you stimulate the property market. And they can't stimulate the property market because of some of the debt issues that exist there. So it's a difficult market. We think there's better opportunities elsewhere. And in terms of the United States long term, you know, you're seeing manufacturing construction GDP in the U.S., the highest it's been in 30 years. That's a sign of reonshoring production coming back to the United States. And we think that's a big long-term theme for the U.S. All right, a lot to watch there. Steve Chevron, great to have you here. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, rising oil prices and Saudi Arabia's production cuts reportedly turning some heads in the White House ahead of a key election year. Plus, gauging the AI impact for health care and what could be a game changer for some nurses, doctors, and hospitals. And later in the show, talking megatech missteps, a closer look at the sector responsible for so much of the market's year-to-date gains and if the stocks are starting to fall out of favor. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Wall Street trying to bounce back after a rough week. Let's see how Asia and Europe are shaping up. Arabile Goumede is in our London newsroom with much more. Good morning, Arabile. Yeah, good morning, Frank. I hope you had a good weekend. Unfortunately, the markets didn't take any risk because they seem to be continuing their downward trajectory. Around a third of a percent weaker, though, is the IBEX 35 out in Spain. So a general sense of negativity around half a percent for most markets actually dipping off today as we do follow on some uh, earnings news, even though not much, of course, as we follow through towards China, as well as the U.S. CPI print. Those will be in keen focus. But on the earnings front, we did have the likes of Siemens Energy saying that they need to slow down the amount uh, of innovations that they're bringing out to market. Costs have been heavy for the entity and really denting a lot of their uh, bottom line. But overall, as I said, a downward trade on the European market. Asia as well, well, a choppy trading picture following on then from that number we saw just last week uh, out of the jobs numbers out of the United States. So you're only seeing the Nikkei uh, going up two-tenths of a percent. The rest of the Asian trading picture has been uh, fairly negative. Of course, more stimulus anticipated out of that market. 
market. But as I spoke about earnings just early this morning, we saw Saudi Aramco uh, post a near 40% plunge in second quarter net profit with lower oil prices and thinner refining margins then coming into play uh, for this one. Unfortunately, we are seeing that the dip off in WTI as well as Brent crude oil impacted its profits quite significantly. The stock is down then 52%, uh, rather half a percent at this stage in its trading picture. So things not necessarily doing too well for what is the largest company spending program then as well, rather trying to bring out its largest spending program at play right now for Saudi Aramco as well. That stock up 15% on a three-month basis. Very quickly, this is WTI and, of course, Brent crude oil, which, of course, have dipped off as well quite significantly, uh, but beginning to try and pick up as well going into August and the rest of the year. That's the picture for now out of Europe. Frank? Arabile, thank you very much. Our Arabile Gumide live in our London newsroom. All right, turning now to the energy market. Oil prices are holding steady near four-month highs after Saudi Arabia and Russia pledged to continue production cuts for another month. The Saudis adding they could be extending beyond then or even deepen the cuts. WTI and Brent crude are coming off six weeks of gains, the longest winning streak since December of 2021, even though, as Airbnb mentioned, they are down this morning. The spike in the oil this summer, that's also being felt at the gas pump. Prices now at a nine-month high. That is sparking some concerns in the White House as President Biden steps up his re-election campaign with promises to lower inflation. Let's talk about all this with Matt Smith, lead oil analyst for the Americas at Kepler. Matt, good morning. Thank you for being here. Hi. All right, so we just showed that FT headline. Let's start off with the political implications of gas prices and oil right now. Reports the Biden administration is worried about gas prices rising for the president's potential re-election campaign. Today, I'm looking at the, the charts right now. We're at just a tick under 383 a gallon nationwide. Do you see gas prices reaching four bucks a gallon when it really becomes an issue for consumers? And if we get to four dollar gas, what does that mean about oil, specifically WTI? Well, Frank, I think we have two different scenarios here, right? The immediate scenario is that, as you mentioned, we're at three dollars eighty three here. We've passed through the the peak of uh, summer driving season. Uh, we were essentially exiting that. Uh, we're also having uh, we're rolling on to the next contract, which is lower. So we're not going to get to four dollars a gallon on the national average unless uh, we see prices pushing on above ninety dollars here on a WTI basis, which seems unlikely. The second thing is that for next year, in terms of uh, the elections, you're going to have that 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 focus on on the price of uh, the pump there, just because the Biden administration knows that if it gets well above uh, four dollars a gallon there, then this focus becomes on well popularity drops as Got that it. price rises, and so that's where that concern is. But that's something to worry about this time next year, or that okay. it's not something to be worrying about now. Got it. Let's let's switch from the political implications to the global implications. Saudi Arabia saying they may even deepen the cuts. What does that do to the global oil market? Well, we can see here, even just with prices, Frank, we know that they're cutting here in August. We know they're cutting as well in September, uh, but you're not seeing prices charging higher. That's why Saudi Arabia is doing this. They're concerned that there is too much supply on the market here. And as we get out of this peak demand period of the year, you know, as we move into the autumn, into the fall here, uh, then, then prices could really come off. And so that's why they're trying to tighten the market. And let's be clear, they are doing so. We see their crude exports dropping last month by about 
750,000 barrels per day, month on month. In terms of Russia, they've also got Russia on board with this. Russia's exports from, from May to July dropped by about the same, sort of 800,000 barrels a day. So you are having these barrels taken okay. off the market. That's why prices have rallied here. But Frank, we've gone from $67 uh, on WTI in late June, and now we're pushing to that $82 mark, boom, straight into resistance. Feels like we're getting some fatigue coming through here. All right. So we're hitting some resistance when it comes to prices. I want to talk to you about the, the dollar declining so far this year, down a percent and a half this year. We've seen some weakness in the dollar. If we continue to see that weakness, how does that impact the oil market? And does that give us at least a bigger chance of reaching what some people are forecasting, 100 buck a barrel oil? You, you have that relationship, not necessarily on a day-to-day -day basis, but on a kind of a longer-term period where that weakness in the dollar uh, gives uh, support to crude prices. You know, it's making it cheaper in other in other uh, currencies. And so that will lend support to, uh, to commodities and to crude going forward here. So as we come out of this tightening cycle from the Fed, uh, we should see weakening uh, a weakening dollar coming through there. And as that happens, uh, that's going to provide a modicum of support for crude here. But you still say you, you believe the ceiling somewhere below 90 bucks a barrel. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. We've, we've kind of run out of steam. Real strong resistance around this 82, 83 dollar level for WTI. Okay. Exemplifying this, you know, we had a record draw for U.S. crude inventories last week and we still couldn't push through that. All In right. this coming report on Wednesday, we're likely to perhaps get a build, you know. So, again, we've got headwinds for crude prices going right. forward here. A lot of headwinds still at the same time. Gas in California here in the U.S. above five bucks a gallon, but you're saying nationally, as long as it stays below four bucks, not a big political issue. Just come in full circle. Matt Smith, great to have you here. Thank you for your time and for your insight. Thank you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, another Barbie milestone. Still no Mega Millions winner and the live streaming home for the Musk-Zuck cage match. They are your top trending stories, and they're coming up when we come back right here on Worldwide Exchange. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Roughly 60% of doctors in family medicine, pediatrics, and internal medicine say they're just burned out. A big pain point, according to many, filling out medical records. Well, now there's an AI app for that. Bertha Coombs joins us now with a look at how the tech is helping doctors in the office. Bertha, good morning. Hey, good morning, Frank. You know, when you go to your a doctor's appointment, usually you see them spending a lot of time typing into your electronic health record. Most actually finish up the notes later at home in what's commonly known as pajama time. Microsoft's Nuance unit has an AI app helping to put pajama time to bed. You don't look like you feel good today. Dr. Tashella Johnson-Foy starts patient visits by pulling out her phone. It listens in on our visit so that I can pay more attention to you. Are you comfortable with me using it? 
Using Nuance's DAX app has freed Foy from typing when she's seeing patients. The AI program writes her patient summaries for her, which has freed her from... Pajama time, which is should be the time where you're getting ready to wind down and go to bed. We're usually still charting and noting and doing things that are going to enhance the life of the patient, but not necessarily our own quality of life. At Baptist Health in Jacksonville, harnessing generative AI programs to help doctors and nurses fight burnout is a top priority. There's new economies of scale and economies that healthcare will be able to get into leveraging AI because you simply, because you eliminate all the administrative redundancy and bureaucracy overhead, and you allow folks to work top of license. Using AI to reduce administrative tasks could help hospitals cut total costs by 5 to 11 percent in the next five years, according to a National Bureau of Economic Research study, for physician groups up to 8 percent, and for health insurers 7 to 10 percent, though the upfront investment isn't cheap. If it cost me X, but I just made my patients a whole lot happier and my physicians a whole lot more productive, well, there's an answer right there by itself. But about that productivity, Dr. Foy says it shouldn't mean more work. Pajama time is now reserved for time with her family. This is about the doctor having a quality of life that they deserve because we're people too. The newest version of the app, Dax Express, using open AI technology, actually writes up the note instantaneously. The, the version she's using takes a couple of hours. Microsoft is working with Epic, which is the nation's largest electronic health records firm, on being able to take those notes and really leverage the EHR. A few hospitals right now are test driving it for follow-up notes and to patients. One doctor actually told me, Frank, that you know the notes are so much nicer than hers, she's pretty sure the patients know she didn't write it, although they do put a disclaimer that it was generated by, by the computer. All right. Really interesting. It sounds like it'll make it a lot easier for our health professionals. They obviously uh, were very stressed during the pandemic. I have another question for you. How could AI, the use of AI in healthcare records, how could that complicate security for hospitals and doctors? You know, that is one of the big concerns, because obviously people who are trying to hack a hospital can use AI as well to try to get through that system. And we've seen even large systems like HCA had a massive breach that has exposed millions of patients' personal information. So that is one of the things that people are talking about. And one of the things that people are talking about in terms of, you know, you've got to build some guardrails into this, even as we're starting to roll it out. And some people worry, you know, we might be playing catch up. All right. A lot to watch here. A lot to consider. AI can be useful, but there are certainly a lot of concerns out there. Bertha Coombs, another great report. Thank you very much. All right, time now for a check on more of this morning's headlines. We welcome NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with the very latest. Francis, good morning. Hi, Frank. Good Monday morning to you. Saudi Arabia hosted a peace summit for Ukraine over the weekend, and there was surprising movement on the diplomatic front. China joined the talks, signaling a possible new approach to Moscow. The Communist Party is reported to be in support of a third round of talks to finalize a 10-point peace plan endorsed by Kyiv, but not the Kremlin. The summit in Jeddah hosted senior officials from 40 countries, excluding Russia. 
Back at home, former President Trump called his most recent indictment outrageous during a fundraising event in South Carolina over the weekend. He also lashed out at special counsel Jack Smith, calling him a maniac. The judge in his election interference case requested Mr. Trump be blocked from commenting publicly on parts of the case. The former president's legal team is facing a deadline today to respond to that request. Record flooding near Alaska's capital prompted officials to declare an emergency after part of a glacier broke along the lake. Look what happened to that house or that structure. The Mendenhall River rose to a record level of nearly 15 feet. Some residents were under evacuation orders due to the rising floodwaters. And pups from around the nation got wet and wild at the 2023 World Dog Surfing Championships. 14 four-legged surfers competed for the Golden Surfy Award. The event also raised funds for various dog-related charities. You are up to date with that, Frank. We send it back to you. That looks like a lot of fun for the dogs. I don't think my dog can surf, though. <laughs> me, dogs, me, humans, but you know what? Surfing four, not ten, I guess, for them. <laughs> That's Hang good, ten, I should say. That's a good one. That's a good one. Francis Rivera, always great to see you. Thank mm -hmm. you. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. The EV price wars go up market as a new contender looks to take on the competition on the high end. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up right after this. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Futures looking to bounce back after a rough week for stocks and for tech. This is investors look to scale a new wall of work. Sticking with tech, we take a closer look at mixed earnings for the most important names in the market and what any downdraft in the market could mean for your portfolio. Plus, while the first rule about deflation is China is... You don't talk about deflation. It is Monday, August the 7th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready for the day ahead. We're going to pick up the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures right now in the green across the board. Off their highs of earlier today, right now, the Dow looks like it opened up about 60 points higher at this hour. We're also looking at the bond market this morning. That's where a lot of people are paying attention, including our earlier guest, Steve Chavarone. He said, watch these yields and the impact on the market. We've now seen them tick up just a basis point from earlier. Now at 4.10, we're also seeing some more movement on the short end of the curve, moving higher since that Fitch downgrade. We're also looking at the energy market, specifically oil right now, following Saudi Arabia saying it might even deepen cuts. Right now, we're seeing WTI crude at 82, 19 cents a barrel, down about three quarters of a percent at this hour. Brent crude at about 85, 60, also down about the same amount. Natural gas catching a bit of a bid, moving up a percent and a half, really hitting its highs of the morning right now. So all this as investors kick off a new trading week, staring up at a refresh wall of worry filled with stretched stock valuations, demand warnings from Apple and Qualcomm, and the fallout from last week's U.S. ratings downgrade. We're going to watch all three of those, all four of those in our wall of worry. But right now, let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Silvana Hanau, she's back with those. Silvana, good morning again. Hey, Frank, good morning again. Well, high-end EV maker Lucid is cutting prices for its air luxury sedans by as much as $12,400 amid rising competition in the U.S. and a price war kicked off by Tesla. Following the cuts, starting prices for the base air pure is now 
$82,400. That's down from $87,400. Now, the more powerful touring and grand touring, these trends now start at $95,000 and $125,000, respectively. Lucid says the offer is valid as long as supplies last. President Biden is expected to issue an executive order this week curbing outbound investments into China when it comes to sensitive technologies. The order is reportedly expected to target U.S. private equity, venture capital and joint venture investments in China and semiconductors, quantum computing and AI. And more cardholders are carrying more credit card debt than ever before. New data from Bankrate shows 47 percent of credit card holders currently carry debt from month to month. That's up from 39 percent in December 2021. Survey respondents primarily blame emergency expenses for the high month to month balances. But they also say higher interest rates make it hard to pay down even the smallest debt, Frank. Record high interest rates, a lot of people feeling that credit card pressure. Yeah, and, you know, people continue to get these, like, you know, raising interest rates. Your rate is going up, so something to keep an eye on. Yeah, certainly a lot to keep an eye on. The strength of the consumer, uh, something we've been talking a lot about here on CNBC. Savannah, thank you very much. You got it. All right. Turning now to earnings. Apple coming off its worst day so far in 2023 and its largest loss since last September after it reported a third straight quarter of falling sales. Very similar sell-offs for Alphabet, Meta, and Microsoft, all losing between 2 and 3% last week. Only Amazon ended the week in the green as investors reevaluate valuations and massive year-to-date gains. Still, it's been a relatively positive earnings season for mega-cap tech. With the five majors all beating on earnings and revenue, Microsoft, the only one missing on its forecast, and Apple has not provided guidance since 2020, but is giving some indications of another soft quarter for sales. Joining me now is Richard Kramer, founder and senior analyst at Arite Research or Arite Research. Richard, good morning. Thank you for being here. Morning. Hi, Frank. All right. So I, I want to touch on what we just talked about in the intro right there. We saw revenue and earnings beats from five of the Magnificent Seven. We're talking Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Apple and Meta. Did these reports, did they justify the lofty valuations for some of these names? I'm looking at Amazon, 79 times forward earnings, Alphabet only 22 times, but the S&P trades at 20 times. Well, look, I think one of the things you saw across big tech was that the companies were harvesting the cost savings that they made at the end of last year and early this year. So you saw record margins at Apple, a recovery in earnings at Google, and and a huge earnings swing at Amazon. So in in a market where there's not a lot of growth to find in the consumer, based on your previous segment, currently credit card debt and and other things are weighing on the consumer, these companies have only one path to take, which is to control their own costs. And you saw that show up in earnings. Equally, when you look at the 5% decline in Apple on Friday, you've got to set that against, as you're showing in the chart right now, a 50% gain this year, which, you know, annualizing a six-month 50% gain in a share price is is pretty punchy. All right, fair enough. But you didn't really answer the question. So from what you saw, are these valuations justified? A lot of people talk about stretch valuations. We mentioned it in our wall of worry. After these reports, can you see a justification for a stock like an Amazon to be 79, 80 times forward earnings? I think in, in most of the cases of big tech, you would see the valuations justified by the duration of earnings. What you're seeing in the Apple ecosystem is that it stretches out 
maybe even a decade where people will continually be, be buying the products. If you look at an Amazon and you compare that with the other e-commerce companies in the market, they are able to grow and continue to, to, to bring in new sales. They were growing their advertising business, a $40 billion run rate business at 20%. The cloud business continues to grow in double digits. And they can't do that much about the consumer, but it's the duration Okay. Of, of earnings at these companies. Uh, and, and Microsoft is another great example. The, the embedded position they have in enterprises, we're seeing stabilization in software spend. Okay. So, and so you sounds know like that a long Microsoft answer for you. It's going to go away. Sounds like a long yes. You feel like it's justified yeah. with what you're saying. Okay. Um, I want to talk yeah, about and, the markets and, overall. Mega Cap Tech makes up nearly a third of the SP 500 market cap. So if we see a pullback in these stocks, what does it mean for the overall year to date rally? Well, I think what I'd be more concerned about is with some of the second tier companies, because it's clear that they're losing ground to mega cap big tech. And what we see coming with AI, as you talked about, is really a battle for resource. The mega cap tech companies are going to have the money to spend on the compute infrastructure that everyone is going to want to use for AI. And indeed, they are propping up the market right now. I don't think you can divorce the wider market from what happens in mega cap tech, but I think you would be more concerned about the second tier companies, some of which are just coming into profitability right now and now need to be valued like real companies. And a lot of them, frankly, are a lot more expensive than mega cap big tech. Okay, that's a fair point. I think you're talking about cloud names, some of the names in the ARKK ETF. Um, so when we talk Absolutely. about those names, we, okay, we saw a pretty sharp pullback when rates went back above 4%, right now at 4.10% on the 10-year. Uh, if we continue to see that rate pressure, mega cap tech, maybe that, that trend continues to go to the upside. But are we going to see a sell-off when it comes to what are generally considered riskier areas of tech? Absolutely. I mean, I think if you see those companies that are either moving just from losses into profitability, the Ubers and the Spotify's, they'll need to be judged like real companies now. And you see a whole cadre of other companies that still haven't crossed that Rubicon into profitability. Now, the one thing you can say about mega cap tech with maybe Amazon as an exception is they're all sitting on huge amounts of cash. Google has over a hundred billion, Apple has 60 billion and so on. So these companies can continue spending in an environment where capital gets more scarce and widen the lead that they have over some of these smaller companies, which are relying on the market to prop up what are clearly pretty punchy valuations, even relative to big tech. All right, Richard Kramer, great to have you here. You're saying valuations are justified, something we'll continue to watch. Great to have you here. Appreciate the insight. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, mum is the word when it comes to deflation risk in China. Well, my next guest says that's bad news for those fortunes, those with fortunes that are tied to Beijing. But first, as we had to break, some of your top trending stories The sporting event of the summer coming to an X near you. Elon Musk says his potential in-person cage fight with Mark Zuckerberg will be streaming on his social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, and that all proceeds will go to charities for veterans. Another Mega Millions drawing, another mega disappointment. The Mega Millions jackpot ending again without a winner, with the top prize increasing to $1.5 billion for the next drawing tomorrow night, marking the 31st straight session without a winner. And it's a Barbie, Barbie world. The Barbie blockbuster surpassing $1 billion at the box office over the weekend, making it the fourth U.S. movie directed by a woman across the billion-dollar mark and the first billion-dollar film for Warner Brothers since the 2022 merger.
Now, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We begin with Piper Sandler upgrading Monster Beverage to overweight, noting the recent pullback in the stock makes it more constructive on its outlook. Piper notes the company's strong pipeline for energy drinks and alcohol. Taking a look at shares of Monster this morning, up almost 3.5%. Now, UBS upgrading DeVita to a buy with a new $142 price target. The firm says it sees an inflection point for the next two quarters, accelerating growth into 2024. UBS adds it believes the company will resume its share buybacks in the fourth quarter of this year, and that should serve as another positive catalyst for the stock. Taking a look at shares this morning, they are flat in the pre-market. And Guggenheim is upgrading Fortinet to a buy from neutral with a new $70 price target. The firm notes, while there may be headwinds, it does not believe there are any structural headwinds and the company's competitive positioning remains strong. Shares of Fortinet right now up 3% in the pre-market. Taking a look at Monster, we didn't see the ticker there, up almost 3.5% as well. All right, time now for your global briefing. Taking a look at wheat prices climbing higher on heightened concerns over supply from Ukraine after another round of drone strikes from the country against a, Ru- a Russian naval vessel and an oil tanker. The strikes coming just weeks after Moscow exited a, a key grain export agreement that allowed Ukraine the ability to ship wheat across the Black Sea for countries in the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. Major Apple supplier Foxconn reporting a more than 1% drop in sales during July, but forecasting a business rebound during the third quarter. Foxconn's consumer electronics segment recording double-digit growth from a year ago as vendors like Apple gear up for new product launches later this year, with Foxconn saying operations will ramp up in the coming months. And Chinese authorities are reportedly putting pressure on prominent local economists and researchers to avoid mentioning or even discussing negative economic trends in China, like deflation. Multiple sources from leading universities, brokerages, and state-run think tanks tell the Financial Times regulators are looking to increase public confidence in the economy, hoping to show the softer-than-expected economic trends in a more positive light. This is Beijing continues to unveil almost daily stimulus measures aimed at boosting private market activity. So what does this reported new messaging mean for investors? Joining me now is Longview Global Senior Policy Analyst and CNBC contributor Dewardrick McNeil. Dewardrick, good morning. It's great to have you here to discuss all this. Good morning, Frank. How are you? All right. So we're hearing this uh, articles out right now saying that Chinese authorities, they're trying to tamp down any talk about deflation, uh, some of the economic stimulus. A lot of people have described it as lackluster. What does this mean for foreign investors, specifically U.S. investors in China? Well, Frank, I think what we're seeing here is a continuation of information control uh, by the Chinese Communist Party. And this this bodes badly for investors and businesses, because if, in fact, uh, economists and commentators are being told to talk up the Chinese economy, it's going to make it extremely difficult to get accurate, timely information uh, about the macro economy, about various sectors, particularly those that the government feels is necessary for their development, and individual companies. We've seen Bain and Mintz Group and CapVision have their offices raided for trying to do due diligence on companies. So this environment, uh, Frank, is becoming extremely difficult for businesses to operate in in a manner uh, that's transparent. So, okay. I, you know, again, it, it continues the trend of needing to really be cautious about the risk of investing in and being in China. All right. So clearly you see some concerns about investing in China. Morgan Stanley also out uh, with a message to Chinese stock investors saying to cash out now 
in case lackluster stimulus measures trigger a retreat. When you hear a major bank like Morgan Stanley saying this, what do you see this? Uh, how do you see this impacting the long term outlook? We know in the short term right now there's some concerns. But what about the long term outlook? Because generally when we see trends of people pulling money out, they find other places to put it to work. Yeah, it's a good question, Frank. Look, I want to be uh, very clear here that even capital outflows for China is difficult. As you well know, uh, there are capital flow controls on the amount of money that you can get out over a certain period of time. So I think the advice that uh, is being given is wise, but I would say you would have to move quickly and cautiously even to do that. But, you know, I don't know where this where this money is going to go. I mean, China was supposed to be as you know, that growth engine, the market was uh, was supposed to be the one that would help to rise the boats here in 2023. And that just hasn't happened, uh, Frank. So, you know, I think we have to keep an eye on this. I'm not saying that everyone should run for the exits. My message is always about being aware of the risk, at least in the short term. But, you know, China could turn this thing around. But so far, uh, the policy measures have been lackluster, Frank. All right. So you said it could turn it around, which obviously is uh, your opinion. There's some distress right now. What does this all mean specifically when we talk deflation mean for U.S. companies and even other foreign companies that are heavy, heavily levered to China? Um, if we're talking about those companies, if you're invested in those companies, what could this all mean? Well, look, I think the hope here is, is first of all, let me address the deflation issue, because Part of what we're seeing in terms of talking up the economy are some Chinese economists using the term disinflation as opposed to deflation. Uh, But I think most people would agree, looking at this fairly, uh, that there are deflationary pressures uh, in China. Uh, And so I think if you invest it there, uh, this is going to be a situation where you're going to get pressure uh, to try and do things, to keep jobs in place, to try and help the government boost uh, what they're looking to do on the on the spending side. Uh, so I think businesses should be prepared to uh, hear from the Chinese government about how they can help uh, pull this pull this together, because I don't think the government by itself really has a, a near term answer for this. All right. Dwight McNeil, always great to have you here. We appreciate your insight. China and deflation. It's a story we'll continue to watch. Thank you, Frank. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today. Plus, a beaten down sector, my next guest says, is prime for a buy and the names on her shopping list. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify or other podcast apps. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this break. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway reporting a more than 6.5% increase in operating earnings during the second quarter, with cash holdings jumping to nearly $150 billion due to underwriting and investment income. Federal Reserve Governor Michelle Bowman says the central bank will likely need to raise interest rates again as strong consumer spending, the housing market rebound, and a resilient labor market all contribute to stubbornly high inflation. Saudi oil giant Aramco reporting a 38% drop in Q2 profits, citing declining hydrocarbon prices and weakening refining and chemical margins. The company says the results align with the overall drop in production across the country. Daimler Truck reporting that its CFO has died in a tragic accident. The company says he played a key part in the successful spinoff of its truck unit from Mercedes. The U.S. dispatching warships to monitor a Russian and Chinese naval patrol that operated off the coast of Alaska last week. Experts are calling this the largest instance of foreign ships approaching American shores on record. 
and freight trucking uh, company Yellow officially filing for bankruptcy after nearly 100 years in business. The shutdown will lead to the loss of 30,000 jobs and could have wide-ranging impact on the U.S. supply chain. Also, here's what to watch in the week ahead. Today we get earnings from Beyond Meat and Paramount Global, and it's the first anniversary since the Senate passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Also, tomorrow we have results from UPS, Under Armour, and more. Then on Wednesday, Honda and Disney with earnings. We also get inflation data out of China, and it's the first anniversary of the U.S. Chips Act. Thursday, Alibaba reports results, and we get the July CPI numbers. The week rounds out Friday with PPI and consumer sentiment. While the markets are coming off a negative week with the S&P and the Nasdaq suffering their worst performance since March, there are plenty of issues for investors to consider in the days ahead. Perhaps the biggest reports this week, inflation data, CPI and PPI on Thursday and Friday, respectively. Let's bring in Katrina Dudley, investment strategist and portfolio manager at Franklin Templeton Investments. Katrina, it is great to have you here. Great. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. So right now we're seeing the futures. They are in the green, but we're coming off a rough week for the markets. The Fitch downgrade, one of the factors. What are you expecting in this day ahead? Are we going to continue to see the hangover from that Fitch downgrade? I think what we're seeing is this real interesting balance between short term. So a lot of CEOs on their second quarter conference calls were very concerned about the short term and the economy. But you have a look at what we saw out of the Fed and, and, and Michelle Bowman basically talking about some of the positives. Um, the labor market is resilient. And that's a very strong positive because people are keeping their jobs. You've got strength in the housing market as well. And they're the things that we think are going to offset some of those concerns that you're thinking about in terms of the short term. So we think that the positive can overcome the negative. All right. So really interesting. So you don't see another down day in the market. You're seeing a rebound from some of the concerns of that Fitch downgrade? Exactly. I think that the Fitch downgrade, the fact that it was only one that happened, I, means that we don't think it's going to really derail the positive momentum we see in the market. We've been in the camp for a long period of time that if we have a recession, it will be such a mild recession that okay. we may not even notice it's happened. All right. Very interesting take there. A lot of people changing their recession outlook in recent days. I also want to go to a sector that you're looking at, healthcare. That was actually our mystery chart we showed a minute ago. Um, you're looking at healthcare, but a specific part, healthcare services. Why are you keyed in on that? So healthcare services are the companies that provide the insurance. So when you go to the doctor and you hand over the card, there's actually an insurer standing behind that. And what we've seen is some of the earnings coming out of those companies in the second quarter were not the beaten raises that you saw from 75% of the S&P. These are some of the companies that missed estimates. Mm -hmm. One of the good things about that health insurance sector is that you can correct your mistakes in a year. Um, because you get to reprice all of your health insurance contracts on a yearly basis. So okay. we think this is a temporary phenomenon, this downturn in earnings. You don't very often hear a strategist say misses on earnings are actually a good thing and give some <laughs> opportunities in the year ahead. So give us some specific names. We're all about actionable names for today. Where would you advise people to put money in today? Well, have a look. You're talking about CVS Health, which obviously brought down guidance. It had um, negative earnings print, but the stock actually was up on the day. And that's reflecting of the fact that the valuation has priced this all in. They've been calling out these headwinds on the cost, but they've all be, always also have been telling the market that we can handle it and we can price for it. So even though they didn't have such a great day into the print, the stock is cheap and we like CVS Health as one actionable name right. that we'd be buying today. Another name of yours is Humana. And also Elevens, two other names that you're looking at right there in the healthcare services space. One other question I want to ask you about. We did see a pullback when it came to mega cap tech last week. We saw the Nasdaq take a dip. Would you buy into that weakness today? 
I think that when you look at it, it's this balance between valuations and obviously earnings. And one of the things that we're encouraged very generally in the entire market is the fact that um, earnings estimates, particularly for 2025, have gone up 5 to 10 percent on the back of upgrades due to the, um, right. the CHIPS Act and the IRA. That sounds like a yes. It does sound okay. like a yes. Katrina Dudley, we got to leave it there. Thank you so much for being here, especially here in the studio. All right. Thanks a lot for watching Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.